everyone, and you're very welcome to this week's In in the Line Out with myself, Aidan Raftery. And of course, as always, we have Michael Cook on the line. Hello, Michael. How are you? Are you well? Good, thanks now, Aidan. Yourself? Not too bad now, not too bad. Loads to talk about. Um, but I suppose uh, we'll kick off uh, In the Line Out by, talk, by doing a review of Ireland versus Japan. It has to be said, despite the opposition, it was a very impressive uh, a very impressive performance by this Ireland team. Considering that Japan had, had bet, you know, a few quality teams in, in recent times, uh, you know, the, this was a great performance by Ireland, you know, in spite of that. And, uh, you know, I suppose they know Japan just had no answer for how relentless this Ireland team was. Yeah, yeah, it was a very impressive display from Ireland because, well, I remember talking to you last week and a lot of the things that I'd wanted them to do, they executed it against Japan. Like we wanted, I wanted to see do more offloading and it was notable how well Ireland offloaded the ball. Now, of course, they were afforded a lot of space against Japan that New Zealand won't allow them this weekend, but they, you can only play what's in front of you, so they're to be commended for that. And I, I wanted them to see play, play the more heads-up rugby, which is playing essentially what's in front of you rather than being over-prescriptive at times. And I think, you know, that we saw glimpses of that. He particularly, I remember, a beautiful uh, kick through from Jameson Gibson Park for Andrew, one of Andrew Conway's tries. So, yeah, like there was some variations to their play. We weren't just totally relying on box kicking and scoring 60 points uh, against the Japan team that had ran Australia very close the previous week. Um, it, rem- it remains to be, you know, it's uh, doubtful whether or not Japan brought their A game, but still, a lot of the things that we wanted Ireland to do, they executed it very well. So you would have to, you would have to be pleased with them for that. That's it, and I suppose really looking at this Japan team and the fact that it is November internationals, would you think that, um, given their performance, maybe and their line out, that maybe it was a case that maybe they weren't taking it as serious at the game as serious as maybe Ireland was? Because I think it, it is it was just a great, but I, I think it was Ireland needed to make a point a statement ahead of the uh, the New Zealand game as well. Yeah, they, you know, Ireland did, you know, they did need to make a statement, all right. And, you know, like it's Japan, of course, they only lost by like nine points to a very good Australia team a week prior. And that was an Australia team that only finished second behind New Zealand in the rugby championship. So, you know, it looked a pale shadow of that same team that uh, ran the Wallabies so close the previous week. You know, this a lot of these things can be dependent upon a number of different factors. It can be the fact that they might that the game, extra game under their belt might have tired them out rather than sharpened them up. It could have been they trained harder during the week or it just could have been that Ireland were just really relentless and really powerful on the day and just simply didn't let them play. There, I, I, cert, I certainly think that um, a certain amount of the credit has to go to the Irish team. So obviously we're facing a different proposition this weekend, but... We 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 did see a lot of the things done by Ireland that we wanted them to do in the past. So here's hoping we can see that on a more consistent basis going forward. And uh, just as I just said there as well with, with Japan, looking at their starting fifteen, would you have considered that that would have been their strongest fifteen and that Japan went out with, or could it have been stronger and uh, maybe would have given Ireland a stronger team or a stronger, a better no, game? Their, I think it was close to their strongest team. Like a lot yeah. of their players, their key players were playing the likes of um, 
new Tamura that would have Kazuki Himeno was playing for Fita, uh, Nakamura, Matsushima, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, who are Japan's best players were playing. So definitely Japan can use the excuse that they didn't put out their strongest 15 because they, they certainly fielded at least 95% of their strongest 15 anyway. And I suppose looking at the Ireland team as well, I suppose, you know, their, their performance, it has to be said that Ireland, it, it, every single player stood up and was counted in this game and uh, played well. But what are your thoughts on the subs that came on for Ireland uh, during the game? Um, well, I suppose um, it was, I suppose, mainly the, the credit went to the, to the starting 15, but we did see uh, some experienced players come on, like Connor Murray, Got some game time coming coming in off the bench, um. That so that was that was good to see in many respects. Uh, he, he handled himself, but then again, of course, the game it was well and truly sewn up at that stage. So you know, it was it was a kind of game that it was it was an easy one for a substitute to come on because the game wasn't in the melting pot. Like Ireland had a big advantage built up early on, so it was a kind of game that uh, it was ideal for anyone to, to kind of blend in because the it was almost laid on a plate from such was the Ireland's dominance in the game. And of course, uh, moving on now to the uh, to the New Zealand game, and you have some uh, some big news uh, just in there about, about the match ahead of the match against New Zealand. Yes, uh, there's been a spanner thrown into the works in Ireland's preparations for the big game against the All Blacks tomorrow with the news emerging that there's a potential COVID case in a member of the Irish squad. Now, the RFU have released a statement saying that uh, they've described it as a potential COVID case from the latest results of PCR testing, but they're hoping that it transpires to be a false positive. And I think the, all the rugby fans across the nation are hoping for the same. Now, they've, they've gone to extra lengths to try and see if it's a, fall, a false positive because... Since the, re the result was returned, they've undergone additional lateral flow testing and PCR testing. The lateral flow testing has been returned. There's been no positives, but the PCR results, it will return more accurate results. They're expected later today. So it's, um, it's safe to say it was a, a ball from the blue that not a lot of us saw coming, although not entirely surprising given today's circumstances. So we'll have to see what the latest round of PCR test results uh, return, return for us. Hopefully it'll be all negative, but we can tell you that there was supposed to be an in-person press conference that was scheduled for the, the afternoon. That is now going to be held remotely uh, as a result. So, It'll be a virtual press conference instead. But I think now just uh, the, up until now, the team would have been concentrating on the game. But right now, I suppose their attention is as much on the, what the latest results of PCR uh, results return later on, hoping that it's all negative so that Ireland can have a positive mindset going into the game. And of course, going into this game, you know, with this with this coming so close to the game tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon, this is something that, uh, you know, both the, the the squad and any foul didn't need uh, need to happen so close to the game because it would, uh, I suppose, this it would disrupt their preparations somewhat ahead of the game tomorrow, wouldn't it? Well, we hope that it won't, but it it can do. Like it's um, it's it definitely like it's a shock to the system, and all of a sudden, you know, you want to be focusing only on the game and your preparations for the game, and to try and relax yourself uh, ahead of it. But this, 
it's an added stress that uh, they can do without, shall we say. And I suppose I mentioned a moment ago that it's uh, not entirely surprising because we already saw that England's Owen Farrell was already, he tested positive originally, but they, in his case, had later re- uh, returned a false positive and he ended up missing the game against Tonga over it. So, you know, that's, it's already happened uh, uh, on one front with the English national team. Obviously, we're hoping now that it doesn't happen for Ireland. And certainly, you know, where it's, it's, it might just be an autumn friendly, but it's an autumn friendly against the most unformed team in world rugby at the minute. And it's a kind of game where you want everything to go right in the lead up to it and you want a full deck of cards to choose from. So this is an added stress we could have done without. But let's just hope their preparations haven't totally suffered as a result of it. And of course, look, looking at the looking at the starting lineup, uh, just to get your thoughts on the starting lineup and uh, changes from uh, the team that started against Japan, but also looking at the replacements as well. It seems to be, um, you know, quite a strong replacements bench. Um, but that, I suppose that that will be taken into consideration the quality of the opposition because I suppose depending on how things go against New Zealand you know you might need one or two of those subs to come on and see if they can make a difference or maybe turn the game but I suppose looking at the bench looking first of all at the starting 15 and then maybe at the replacements what are there any which are there, what replacements do you reckon could come on and, and um, are capable of uh, maybe turning the game depending on how, depending on how uh, Ireland are doing at the time yeah, well, I suppose to answer the first part of your question, the starting fifteen, uh, there's well, there's just um, it's there, it's fourteen of the of the team that beat Japan uh, a week prior, so definitely it's not a game where there was too much room for experimentation given the level of opposition that we're facing. But nonetheless, Andrew Conway and Jameson Gibson Park. Both of them excelled against Japan and they have been rewarded for their, their good performances, as has Hugo Keenan at full back. And I think he's, he's executed a lot of aspects of his game really well. And I think his aerial ability is one thing that stands out. We'll need more of the same from Hugo Keenan this weekend, given that the All Blacks are a, light, are a team that like to um, exploit the opposition by uh, tactical kicking. So we'll need him on his A game for sure. And then uh, the, the, the change comes in at the second row where Ian Henderson takes the place of Ty Byrne. Now, uh, he, Andy Farrell was asked about this change and he explained it using the, the terminology horses for courses. And he feels that Ty Byrne was more suited to playing Japan. He feels Ian Henderson is more suited to playing the All Blacks. Um, there was a uh, he says that it's on the basis that he's a, a more physical player, which is ideal, ideally what you need when you're going up against big players like Sam Whitlock and Brody Retallick. You, you do need power and physicality, but uh, the result of it is that uh, Ty, Ryan, Ty Byrne has dropped to the bench. And I would have liked to see Ty Byrne kept in the squad like and maybe played at number six, where he's shown he can play well in the past because... The breakdown is going to be key and that's where Ty Byrne is at his best because, like, I mean, he's made the second most turnovers by any player in international rugby this year. So I I, I think it was a slight mistake not to play Ty Byrne in the back row, but hopefully it doesn't prove, prove costly. And I suppose that leads me into the next uh, question you asked me. Like, I think... He's a player that can come that that can make an impact off the bench as well. Of course, Keith Earls is a player 
that's that's been named among the bench, but one I would like to have seen starting because James Lowe, while we know he's very good on the wing going forward, we have seen that uh, his defence at times leaves a lot to be desired. And you're going up against an explosive All Blacks backline that contains the likes of Will Jordan, who will be on the opposite wing to James Lowe and who uh, may, who's made more line breaks than any other international rugby player this year. I would worry for James Lowe going up against Will Jordan and especially from a defensive point of view. And that's why I would have gone with Keith Earls there. But if things aren't going well, let's just hope Keith Earls and Tyke Byrne and company are brought on sooner rather than later. That's it, because I mean, we 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 can't really against this New Zealand All Blacks team. We we know how world class they are, and it, you know one ma- one slight mistake at all, and uh, we will be we'll be severely punished uh, by, by them. But uh, and you know it's it's like I said, you know it's very hard to pick out any weaknesses in this New Zealand pack and this New Zealand team. Yes, um, it is because they're just a formidable outfit, but. As as you say there, you can't afford to switch off against New Zealand. And I think they've shown us that, that, that on multiple occasions that any slight lapse in concentration, that you're going you're going to be punished. And I think it's important from that point of view that Ireland survived the opening 10 minutes and that they don't leave themselves playing catch-up for the rest of the game because that's what happened New, Ze- New Zealand and Wales. Like after four minutes, Bowden Barrett had touched down for the game's first try. And New Zealand went on to win 54 points to 16 that day. So it's important that Ireland try and limit them on the scoreboard as much as possible in the, in the opening stages. That's it, because uh, I mean we're just going to have to bring our A game tomorrow if we're to if we're to beat them. But uh, I suppose looking at looking at the Ireland team, it, this team we say I suppose if you look back at their our performance against Japan, you know we have the we have the players that are can be capable of are, are capable of, of beating this all black team which is when you consider it, there's very few there are very few countries in rugby now that will be that will be able to get anywhere near this uh, this um, new zealand team as well so but um, you know ireland have done it before uh, a couple of years ago but it's just a matter of doing that again but that's easier said than done, though, Aidan. Like that was that game that you referenced there was that game that you referenced there. Like was three years ago, which is really a long yeah. time ago now. And like, I mean, there is this sense across Ireland that the All Blacks are a bit more beatable this time, which kind of concerns me a little because this is a team that have only lost one match all year, and you know they're putting up big scores in every single game. So I think Ireland need to be very wary of what they're going up against. Just because they're not world champions, their current form almost belies that. And they've only lost one match all year. And they've already set, they're already setting records for the number of points scored or for the number of tries scored in a calendar year. Uh, 96 tries in this calendar year alone. So, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely, they're, they're not to be underestimated. And I think, uh, I think, in fairness too, to Andy Farrell and uh, the players, I think that is something that they, they won't be doing is underestimating them because uh, you know everyone, everyone that's involved in rugby and loves rugby and can see the quality there. So it's going to be, it's going to be, a, uh, it's going to be a difficult game for Ireland. But uh, I suppose it's, it's, it's can be all on the day and, and things like that. So it's going to be, it's going, it's going to be something that that we'll all look forward to watching now. And uh, let's hope that Ireland can come out with a, a victory and. 
and uh, hopefully we'll be talking about a, a win next week. But uh, you know, it's 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 all about on the day. So uh, I suppose we we moving on next to the Ireland women versus USA. Um, you know, it's an autumn it's a, an autumn friendly. What are your thoughts on that game? I reckon that it's one that Ireland should be looking to win. Now, the USA, of course, are coming in on the, to this game on the back of back-to-back defeats against Canada. So that won't have done them any good. Um, the, the USA are a quite a physical side. And that's something that uh, Ireland, will be lo- Ireland will be looking to deal with. And, of course, they, they, while they, they, have a, they are an incredibly physical side, Ireland m- might have a bit more in terms of... Uh, you know, in terms of a tactical nose, in terms of a ball playing nose, and that's what I think ultimately will be the winning of the game for Ireland. But uh, it's it's important that Ireland get the win, and you know, it might only be a friendly, but it's Adam Griggs' second last game in charge of this Irish side, so they'll be looking for Adam Griggs to go out with a bang. And looking at the um, just just as a comparison, looking at this USA team. What are the players do you think that that, that this Ireland team needs to look out look out for, and that that the Ireland that the Ireland coach needs to kind of plan for? Well, I suppose I haven't really seen much of the I haven't really seen much of the the USA team so far. So to actually tell you who would be it would be a difficult one to pinpoint because I well they they've only played two games recently and they were against Canada. And well, yeah, there wouldn't have been much coverage of that. So um, it's kind of like you know. To, I think that it's it's it's. I haven't really seen enough of them to to kind of pinpoint that if that's what you're saying. But I think that what Adam Griggs will be mainly concerned about is uh, getting his teams. You know, he's hopefully got his team selection right. And there's Anna Cap- Anna Capeless, for instance, has got her her first cap for Ireland and you know there's a lot of experienced players in there to help her as well so I think Ireland will be focusing on themselves and that they will be trying to do all within their control to get a result here and of course looking at uh, I suppose matters off the field there we've seen there during the week that uh, one of the Ireland players as well was criticising or said something about uh, one of the I think is it the director of rugby in the IRFU um, over maybe like performances or maybe certain aspects of how the tea, how the women's game is going in the IRFU. What are your thoughts on that? On which no, the the, the just the, the situation as a whole. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, it was. It certainly you know it was a, a distraction that we we could have done without because like they're playing in the RDS tonight, which is a great. Uh, boost for women's rugby but instead the week was overshadowed by what was uh, being said off the field but yeah what you're referring to is uh, the director of rugby Anthony Eddy um, he was gave an interview during the week as we know there is a an in-depth review going on into the the women's game here in Ireland because they earlier this year we have failed to qualify for the next World Cup and we've fa- and of course they're not happy with how the, the sevens are performing either so as a, as a result, then Anthony Eddy, uh, he was made a number of statements and he seemed to lay the blame on the players more than himself. Now, the players will be the first to admit like that they haven't done a lot of things well. You know, the execution of some of the skills has been below par. But to lay all the blame on the players wouldn't be fair. 
now because you know that uh, there, there does there, there does have do we have to apportion responsibility a small bit and realize that sometimes what goes on the field is very much the the end result of how effective the the structures are off the field so for instance there's an in, there's going to be an in-depth review and i suppose one thing that's notable is that anthony eddie he has both responsibility for the sevens game and for the 15s game like that's that's a lot uh, to fall within one person's remit. So maybe there could be that they could look at maybe designating two different people might 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 make things might make things a little bit easier. And of course, like there we're constantly told about you know improving the domestic standard of rugby because a lot of the you know the women's team you know from the playing in the AIL they, that that was a uh, on pause for a long time because they didn't have the elite athlete exemption. So there wasn't AIL games taking place in women's rugby. And of course, we're constantly being, the, the, he's, Anthony Eddy has said that they're, they're working on that. But, you know, it's, it does beg the question is that how attention hasn't been given to developing the domestic rugby league here already. And, you know, Anthony Eddy has said he's working on it, but, it's a kind of a thing that people will only believe once they see it and once they see the women's AIL actually being developed. So it's it's something that only, you know, that there, there there's assertions out there that it's that they're looking into it, but it's one of those things people will actually believe when they see. And of course, I suppose looking at the from a developed from a developmental point of view, is maybe the league going professional um an option or is it a case that maybe the RFU uh, haven't uh, kind of financially they haven't they're not able to to put it that in into you know that that isn't an option? Would that um, would, uh, if it went professional would would that um, kind of improve it? And is there the finances there to do that? Well, I can't tell you if the finances are there to do it or not, um, because well, I suppose only the only the the finance department can answer that. But definitely, it's it's you know the 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 there is there is certain you know improving the standard of the women's AIL and uh, developing it is go, going forward is definitely it's it's a conversation that can't be held in five minutes. But definitely, however they go about it, it it it, 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 it however they go about it, it's something they will have to look to develop because you know that. They, we we have we have seen that how we have fallen massively behind the standard over in in the Premiership in England or in the the French Women's League, and it's no surprise that both of them have produced really good women's rugby teams on the international scene. So, it's certain players have gone further afield and uh, to to play their domestic rugby, but. You know, that begs the question, why are they leaving? Because they're obviously not happy with the standard here. So something is going to have to be done for sure. And definitely, I suppose, one idea I think I heard being thrown out to, as a potential solution to the problem is that we've we've taken a lot of players from sevens rugby and they might necessarily be familiar with the the pace and the, the pace and the intensity of 15s rugby. So there is, you know, an idea an idea thrown out that any sevens players that we could have them playing within the, you know, have them playing within the AIL 
for a certain period of time to get them up to pace with the standard of 15s rugby. Now, obviously, there's a difference in intensity and standard between that and international, but it would familiarise them with the basics of 15s rugby if they could do that nonetheless. That's it. <laughs> That's it, because I suppose there are certain players, though, in, in the sevens game, you know, the, the, some of the players that they're, they'd be better able to adapt to the 15s game better than others and I suppose that that's another consideration you know it's, and I suppose when the when coaches are kind of thinking of bringing someone players in from uh, the sevens game that's that's a consideration that they that they have before they do it but uh, listen thanks very much for taking the time out to do in the line out this week and we look we look forward to looking back at the Ireland versus New Zealand game next week thanks again Aidan no problem thanks very much and that was Michael Cook our rugby expert